Simone, my baby, nice homeless guys. just cares for me. My baby don't care for fancy clothes. I think, no, Les- no, I think no, Leslie no, Jones no, should have played her. I know Leslie hasn't acted much, but... My baby don't care for clothes. She would have been a perfect no, Nina no, Simone, right? Much better than Zoe Saldana. Oh, man, yeah. Leslie would have been perfect. Leslie can sing, too. I don't know if Zoe can sing, but Leslie can sing. She's got a... Face and height. Well, actually, Nina wasn't that tall. She was like five eight, I think. But still, you don't. If you've been cheating Tom Cruise's height for all this year, you could cheat Leslie's down a little, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. You could have been rocking that song. That song or that movie. If she had done that movie, if Leslie Jones had been in the Nina Simone story, she would have been. It would have changed her whole career. Like when Robin Williams was in the Poet Society, yes. you know. And then he started doing a bunch of poopy face movies after that. And he wasn't funny anymore. <laughs> Isn't it the other movie with that janitor, no stuff? <laughs> what janitor? What was that one? Jason Bourne's in it. You know what? Goodwill Hunting. I never saw Good that. That's one movie that got so much hype that I never ended up seeing. It died. Because it's one of those that gets too much hype and then you go, I can't see it now because everybody says it's the best movie ever. Like Seinfeld and English Patient, you know. <laughs> she was like, this movie's so boring. The real hunting is good the first time you saw it. Then the second time you realize you saw it, you're like, man. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck won a screenplay award, huh? Yes. Uh, Oscar. I guess you grow out of their age. that Because you're the same age when they are. at the. Cause you're, I was the same age. Grow with them. I grow with them. Mm-hmm. Then I started thinking about it. You watch it again, you go, man, it's never work. <laughs> The calculations don't add up. Yeah, because uh, in the movie, he, he learns everything by books because he can, he can read fast and remember everything. Oh, okay. So he's the, he knows how to, he'd like, he, Robin Williams is good too in it. Very emotional, but he was better than the Fisher King. All right, people. I love the Fisher King. That really that touched me. sad, man. Yeah. It really touched me. The Fisher King. That was a good movie. I never saw World According to Garp. Never saw that. We're missing that. <laughs> and we I saw the, half of Moscow on the Hudson. <laughs> nobody picked up World According to Garp. That one in the Russian one, man. Nobody picked it up. 
uh, Moscow and Hudson. Which I never- five times before we saw that movie. Fern Gully. A bunch of heroin addicts. <laughs> Watching Fern Gully. That's hilarious. <laughs> I had a weird dream about that movie. Ew. Shh. It's I crazy. Crazy. Was your, I thought you said you never had a wet dream. No, I had one in rehab. Oh, well. It was weird, man. <laughs> Why? What did you dream about? I don't know that one of those burgundy girls was all over me. Are they fairies? Are they yes. newts or something? They're like bug loots. Bug, bug things, right? Okay. That's weird, man. When you're in rehab, <laughs> when you're in rehab, everyone's sober. So their mind and they're thinking the things they want and they want to see. It's still in the same mindset as when they first did drugs. Like if you started doing drugs when you were twelve, your maturity level is your still maturity that level uh-huh. of what you want to see or what excites you is still twelve uh-huh. because it's been erased by years and years of drugs and prison and, and preventing like, you from growing as a person. You can, can growing as a, yeah, and you know, developing your you. personality. Yeah, what you were supposed to be in life. Yeah, so. I'm with these men, and these men are dying. Watch you play fungally. <laughs> oh my god! <clears throat> and now uh, this this cholo, this old man. I don't know, man. He must have read White Fang five times in one month. Oh my god! Everything's five times. Is no, White but, Fang the one with the racist dog, or is that more like Call of the Wild? Kind of like wild, Call of the Wild. They're in the it's they're a movie. in the nature. Okay. Yeah, we had a lot of Disney movies in the rehab. <laughs> Nothing hardcore. I saw this movie one time with that guy, Paul. Um, he always plays judges. Black guy, Paul. Um, <sighs> Paul Winfield. Winfield, yes. Thank you. Paul Winfield. Um, it was a dog. It was a movie about a dog that was white. And also he was a racist dog. <laughs> but he had been trained to be racist. It wasn't a comedy. It was like a drama. Sounds like an episode and of he would bite. Uh, black guys and he was like the training um, Paul Williams was or Win- oh, Paul Winfield was like the um, he was like the the bait trainer guy he was a black guy and he had these pads on and everything and he would train the dog to attack him because he was black but yeah. it wasn't his dog it was working for somebody those movies never made it past South Dakota <laughs> I did watch it at late at night. You know, another movie I watched, I don't know if you ever saw this, but I've seen it like two or three times. Always like late night movies that you stumble upon on network TV, you know, after Salem's the news Lot. and all that stuff. Love Salem's Lot. Well, there was this movie one time called Highway to Hell. And it was these bikers and they're, uh, so these people camping in a camper and they're on the highway. They terrorize them. And they terrorize the people on the camper. It's like two couples and then these bikers. They rape them. I think they get them in some sort of like satanic cult or something. They pull them into the woods and stuff like that. And then I think they take the girls, the wives with them and like they have to join the cult at that point. Um, it's weird, a weird movie. But it's one of those B movies you see at midnight. And you don't get that benefit with all this streaming Netflix and stuff like that. You don't get to stumble upon cool movies like that anymore. I know nobody knows about, um, I guess, oh man. Only when I'm out of town, man. Like when I'm in, like, it's got to be like a a, cl- a local. Odessa. It's got to be like a local My channel station. Turn into American flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see that anymore. When was that? It was another town over like there, a few like years in, ago. In, in, no, in um, ten years ago. I was in um, Del Rio, Uvalde, Texas. Del Rio. 
Yeah. Yes, it turned into before it before it turned it before it turned into the flag. It just showed the lay the the announcements of the whole town, like oh yeah, like school closings, and meetings, all that <laughs> PTA meetings. But you know what? Growing up in a place where there's a lot of snow, you watch that stuff. You watch it. You're hoping your school is closed the next day. Sometimes they'll show it on the news. But man, my school was never closed for snow. It was horrible. And that one time we had to walk home. Oh, I hated that. I was so mad at my mom for that. After that, we had a blizzard and they closed school at like noon, right? And they told us all, you guys are going, we're releasing you because of this blizzard, right? And they were announcing it on the news, right? Local news. And my mom hadn't picked us up yet when it was time to be released, right? She didn't show up. And we didn't take the bus because we didn't live far enough, but we lived really far to walk through a fucking blizzard, right? So um, we had my, our moms picked us up. Our mom picked us up. So um, she didn't come to pick us up. And so I went back in the school with my two brothers who were in uh, David and, yeah, I think he was in like he had just started kindergarten or first grade. And I was in like sixth grade and Johnny was in like fourth or something like that. And, uh, well, David must have been in second then. So second, fourth, and sixth grader, right? I'm 12, basically. I go back in the school with my brothers, and I need to call my mom. So I go to head to the payphone. School's over, right? It's noon. School's done. And I go into the school, and I go to the payphone. And Mr. Swan, our asshole principal, excuse me, young lady, what do you think you're doing? I said, I, I need to call my mom. She's not picking me up. You are not permitted to use the phone. And I said, but I need to call my mom because this is before cell phones. I need to call my mom because uh, I need to let her know that we got out of school early. We announced this on the news. It is district-wide, blah, blah, blah. He lists all these facts. And I said, what he didn't know is my mom worked third shift, right? So that meant while we were at school, she was sleeping. So that she could be up to pick us up from school and start her day at when we got out of school, right? So he didn't. Yeah, your mom worked two jobs. No, she would just work third shift. She worked third shift as a graveyard. A, yeah, she worked graveyard, and she midnight to six or, or eleven at eleven. I think it was eleven to seven, and then worst worst <laughs> times to work, man. Eleven to seven. Yeah, I think it was eleven to seven, and then she got home right when we were going to school, so she would take us to school. And then um, she would go back home and do whatever she needed to do. And then she'd sleep for a few hours until we got out of school. So I knew that she wasn't watching the news. Okay. What about parents who are working and aren't watching the news? How do people know? I mean, I just didn't understand what he was talking about. But I didn't stand up for myself. And this is what I get mad at with Isaac, you know, because there's got to be this self-preservation. And I don't, I didn't have it back then. And it made me so mad because I let him talk me out of using the phone because he was authoritarian, uh, uh, an authoritative figure in my life, my principal. So I was like, all right, I guess I can't use the phone. You made it to the principal's office? No, I walked back into the school and he saw me walking toward the payphone, and he stopped me. But school was over. It wasn't like I was calling during school hours or anything like that. And uh, I wasn't even like bothering their phone in their office. You know, I was using a payphone. And he didn't let me do it. And so I just took my brothers and we walked home in the blizzard in snow that was probably to our calves, okay? 
So it was all white, the whole town, huh? Freezing. Yeah. The snow was still coming down? Yeah, and it was freezing, and my feet were wet. We had to walk, I think it's probably like almost two miles to our house. Two miles, probably. So we walk, and I swear we get like three quarters of the way there, and then Johnny's um, little girlfriend at the time, her mom. Do her grow up in the blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she was in her mom's van. Her mom pulled up to the side us and said, what are you guys doing walking? And I said, oh, they didn't let me call my mom. I explained the whole thing. I was like, I was so relieved to see her. We got in the van and we drove. But we had already walked, I swear, like uh, probably a mile by that point. Halfway there, maybe three quarters of the way there. And she took us the rest of the way. And then my mom was like, what are you guys doing here? And like, She hadn't heard, of course, that we were out of school early. And then um, nothing happened. She didn't. If that, what if that happened to your daughter, your kids, and they weren't allowed to call home, and you found out that they had to walk through a blizzard because the principal didn't let them call home? What would you have done? Let's ask one of our listeners. One of man, that shit happened to me, man. Somebody would have got stabbed right away, man. I would have said, you know, I would have cut him up for a officer and told him to meet me at the school right now, man, because shit's about to go down and. That's the only way I know how to explain it was to just stab on me. <laughs> See, nothing happened. My mother did not do anything. My mom freaked out one time when they called us shoplifting, and they were, and then um, I don't know. My mom even had her back when they when we were shoplifting. We were just opening up tennis balls <laughs> and throwing them at people. Yeah, you should have been punished. I would let you get punished for that. Uh, but yeah, that's isn't that doesn't that suck though that she didn't stand up for us. She didn't say a thing to the school. She didn't. Um, I would have went to my mom. My mom. She didn't even call over there. Nothing. My mom knew where to go and everything. Man, she probably would have. She would have went with somebody that spoke English better than her to one of those city meetings. Yeah. Well, she should have. That's what a parent does. And I would have fucking gone. I would have been living, cause, livid because I, I tore uh, Isaac's kindergarten teacher. Well, I was trying to tear, tear her an asshole, <laughs> a new asshole. That day that she uh, let Isaac pee in his pants yeah. in the front of the classroom, basically, because she wouldn't pee let pee him go away. to the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, I yelled at her after school, like, in an odd look down, and all these kids were looking up at me like, what are you doing to our teacher? And then I stopped, and then I just said to her, you know, I'm really sad for all these kids who end up with you as their first teacher. That's really sad. She was evil. I could not stand her. Elysian Heights, Miss Fernandez. She was evil. She just was so mean. She did not like Isaac. That just reminded me of my mom that I have in my back. So we just passed the 9-11. Uh, 15th anniversary. Where were you on 9-11 when it happened? 2001. I always forget 2001. That's 15 years ago, huh? Yes, it was. Man, I was... Um, I was Man, you're going to believe this. I was sleeping in my bachelor pad, but my Rochefort motel in, on, <laughs> on Denby in Elysian Valley right there on... Frogtown. Um, Frogtown on Blake. They call it Frogtown because it's right next to the river. And when yeah. the river would overflow, frogs would take over the neighborhood. You were here. <laughs> and then it just became gangland. Yeah. but um, Episode two. It's a lot of um, frogs. I don't know what we did the night before, but it was a bed. I had a queen-size bed, and Rodrigo was there, and some other fool named Vinny. They all had spent the night 
We woke up, plus we had just eaten and we were fell asleep. I think we were watching Mitch Hedberg on Comedy Central or the repeat or something. He was on real quick. Man, we got a phone call, the first one. Oh, shit. Man, we got to put it on TV, man. Shit. These fools just crashed the building. Scratched the building. Oh, crash. Scratched the building. (laughs) So then we were like, we didn't slept through that one. Then the next call. Oh, man. We're being attacked. It's crazy. Turn on the TV. I don't know what's going on. Boom. We opened up the TV and we were like, what? It was crazy. And that's it? You watched it on TV? <laughs> no, what happened? We didn't happened? do nothing all day. But yeah, what was the TV. rest of the day like in L.A.? Man, not good for people with dark skin and wearing turbans. But no, there was no violence. Like it was quiet, right? There's no planes. There's nothing. Probably no helicopters quiet, man. No, able to no, fly no, over. Nothing was flying. It was quiet. Everything was shut down. And um, it was weird, man. It was just... It was weird to... Uh, so later on, when everybody was signing American flags. <laughs> well, the Elote man had American flags <clears throat> available for 10 cents. I was on a Que Locos tour also by that, by that time. I think oh, yeah? That, I was on a Que Locos tour. We were touring, Gabriel and I, and Mike Robles, Willie, and Larry Omaha, off and on. And that's it. Where were you good, at? Good story. I was uh, I was in New York City, and I Don't was. Be lying. <laughs> I'm not. I lived in New York for six years at that point. Wait, yeah, six years. When did you move to New York? Ninety five. You were working over there in New York. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was working at Goldman Sachs down at one New York Plaza. They had two offices downtown, eighty five Broad Street, and then one New York Plaza. One New York Plaza is the very last building. Well, it used to be. can't remember if when we went around the island this time if it was right there at the tip. But it used to be right there at the tip. There's a helipad next to it. And it's a big black glass building um, at the very tip of Manhattan, the southern tip of Manhattan, like right next to Staten Island Ferry. So uh, that's where I worked. And I was on the 49th floor, I think. And I was doing um, graphics, presentation graphics for the investment bank. I had been doing that for a year. But they were my client before when I worked in recruiting and staffing. And then when I went, I was finishing grad school. And so I negotiated a position with them that was just temp. But I ended up working there for many years. So I was at work. And I got, at work, I got to work at 8. So I'd been working for a little while. And my friend Robbie came in at like 8.45, 8.40, something like that, close to 9. And he sat down and uh, we had we saw a um, – our view outside of our window was up the left coast of Manhattan, right, the bottom, going up. And so we saw the World Trade Center. Our view out of my window was Tower 2. South Tower. And then it completely blocked, because of our position, it completely blocked the other tower, right? So we really only saw one World Trade Center tower. And it was the second one hit, the the southern one. So that was our view. We saw a burst of glass and paper, right? We didn't even see any smoke, really, from this side. 
but it was such a pretty day and there weren't any clouds in the sky and it was just nice and sunny morning. So there was, it was glistening, just stuff floating really calmly, like floating, lots of paper, lots of glass. It's like, what is that? And then the people on the trading floor outside our door were kind of hub, 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 you know, talking. And um, we got up and walked out to their floor because they have TVs on the trading floor all around. So they were all turned to CNN and um, they had broken in with this news that the Tower 1, the one we couldn't see, had been hit by a small plane. And that's what they said, small plane. So we were like, oh, that sucks. Uh, but we're going back to work, right? Because down there, almost every day, there were helicopters and small planes that were flying around over the water every day and way too close to the building. So in our minds, okay, this is bound to happen. Like that's where the president always took off and landed was right next to our building. So there was a helipad right there. So there were always plane or helicopters taking off, flying way too close where you just go, whoa, you know, we go by the win- window because the whole building was glass. So they'd come by the window and it just kind of freaked you out anyway. This wasn't like a surprise to us. And they kept saying small plane. So then we go back to work and Robbie and I are talking. We're staring out the window and then we see this plane and it's doing a U-turn over the Hudson River and it's coming back up the coast, right? And I was like, oh, I mean, this is the dumbest thought I had in years. But for some reason I thought, oh, this plane is here to help because there's no fire escape on the World Trade Center. There's nothing over there. So like I thought, well, they've got to, how are they going to get out? They've got to send like a helicopter or something to help get them out of the building, right? Um, and here comes this plane. So I was like, oh, it's a helper plane or something. That's what it must be. But it was a jet. It wasn't a small plane. It wasn't a helicopter. It was a jet. How can a jet help anything, right? I'm not going to stop on the roof or, you know, have it can't hover there and wait for people to get on a ladder or anything like that to rescue people. I don't know what I was thinking. And uh, so it wasn't a helper jet, obviously, whatever that is. And uh, we watched as it went right into the building and it was so smooth. Like, like I always say, it was like an, a hot knife through butter because it was, it just sank in there really easily and just for a split second, there was nothing, and then it exploded. You heard it? We felt it. It went in like butter, like it was meant to be, like a magic trick. It was trick. just soft, and ex- yeah, it went in, and it, there was a, this second that seemed forever, seemed like forever, and then the explosion rolled out, and we just said, holy shit. Oh, but we felt it. Uh, it shook the windows. We were about six blocks from the World Trade Center, south, right? six blocks from that building. And you saw how tiny those streets are. They all go up at yeah. like, like they go into a point and then they kind of fan out from the, from the bottom one. So they're pretty close. And then we saw that second, that, that, that plane hit. And, um, I picked up my things. It was my last day at work. I was going to go manage a recruiting and staffing firm. I was going to go run it. And this was my last day at work at Goldman Sachs. So I had already packed up my stuff in a, in a box, my CDs and like, papers and stuff, things I wrote. And then uh, I had grabbed that box and I grabbed Robbie, my friend, and we ran and we we crammed into the elevator. Did you know what was going on already? No. We just knew 
It wasn't in the news. Here's a plane and here's another plane. No, well, on the news was the first plane, right? The second one didn't need to be on the news because it happened in front of my eyes. So it was was too close for comfort. And I figured two planes into the same place were under attack. I mean, obviously, I thought that. And I didn't know how many more there were. So I rushed out of there with my friend. So we got on the elevator, which is stupid that we did that, but we didn't. It was there. It opened up right when we got out there in the in the little hallway. Everybody was running. Everybody was people on the elevator. It had just happened. They didn't know what happened. They only knew about the first plane. They got off the elevator, and I said, "No, no, no, no! Get get back on the elevator. There's been a plane. A plane just hit the World Trade Center. Oh yeah, we know. We saw it on the news. No, 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 no! A second plane just hit the other tower, and they were like, "What the fuck?" And so these people were getting off to go to work, and we put them back in the elevator with us, and we all went downstairs, and um. We got outside, and it's so weird because you can see the towers burning, like every block you'd go to up the street, you can see the World Trade Center because it's huge. And it's just burning, and all I kept thinking about was how no, there's nowhere, there's no way to get out of a skyscraper fire. There's just no way. You have to walk down the safety floor, the fire safety floors, which don't, you know, hopefully they don't burn um, in there and they have fire doors and all that stuff, right? But our fire drills in every skyscraper ever worked in were you go down two floors and there's like a fire balcony where you can get fresh air and like wait for assistance. But 100 floors, 105 in the other. Everybody's on the stairs. And everybody's in the stairs. And how are the firefighters going to get up here? They've got to walk up 100 floors, you know? I mean, the impact was probably at like the 80th floor, 70th floor. It was just slightly above my angle in our building. I was at 49. We're walking down. I'm just staring at this this building burning every uh, every street we pass. And we're walking to my apartment, by the way, because I live nearby. I lived on Golden Fulton Street. And um, Robbie decided that he was going to take up smoking again after he had quit for many months. And so he stopped at a newsstand and he um, picked up some cigarettes, started smoking again. And I um, tried to call home and to my ex, now ex-husband, right, um, who was home, and I couldn't get a signal on my cell phone. Then I noticed that every corner, every payphone on every street had a line around the corner because people's cell phones didn't work. And so... Everything shut down? Everything shut down. Now, the theory behind that is that people overloaded the signals and also... Okay, the first thing is there was a tower on the... That happened before a lot, huh? There were cell receptors on the um, tower, one of the towers. But I feel like... I feel like somebody shut off communication because that's what we were told for a a bit of time. That's what they started telling people in the news. There's no cell service because they wanted to shut down possible communication between people who might be in the city, um, operatives or whatever, you know, other people who might be involved in this thing. And uh, so they did say that. They did say that on the news, but then they stopped saying that. But I think the government did have control enough to shut down everybody's phones at that point. But they were saying it was because of these receptors that were on one of the towers. But that doesn't affect the whole city. 
And so what'd you do? So we walked to my apartment, and then we got in there. Was there loud commotion outside? Was it loud? Sirens, yeah, people everything? were. Yeah, it, there's. People there's didn't a, know what's going on. Now. No, there's a documentary that's out there that was shot. It was about something else, but it was shot shots of that day because there were no cell phone cameras back then, so none of this stuff was really on on video except for TV footage. I took my own camera too later on, but so we we had um when I there's this oh in that documentary there's this noise that happens when they're showing footage around that downtown area. And it's like this, this sort of constant high-pitched whine. And uh, that was going on the whole time, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was an alarm for a building or what it was, but it was constant. And you could hear it all around downtown. And when I see that, feel my body feels it clenches up like that day, you know. Like I get anxiety, and um, it was a weird noise. It's hard to describe. So, um, so I got to the apartment with my friends. I brought two friends from work because they lived in Brooklyn, and I just wanted them to get some safe cover. Right, we were in a pretty low building, like five floors on it, and um, I had food and water and stuff. And I, and they couldn't get on the train. Also, that's another reason why I brought them with me because they shut down the trains. So people couldn't get out of the city. They couldn't get over to Jersey, wherever they were living, they couldn't get to. They had to stay in Manhattan. Couldn't walk? You could walk, but um, they couldn't get on the train. You know, walk to Brooklyn from the lower high, Manhattan. Highways must have been packed, though. I don't even know. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't really remember anything about the streets at the time. But um, we got, so we're in the apartment and... Um, my ex is there, and he was about to go. He was teaching a class in Midtown, and he was about to leave for that. So, but when he, when he heard it on Howard, actually, Howard Stern. And so he stayed, and he turned on the TV. And so we had the TV on with no sound, and we had Howard on, because Howard was the only one who was really helpful. And it felt like he was kind of with the, there with us happen, when it was happening, you know. And it was like he was experiencing it like we were, and he's a true New Yorker, and they couldn't go anywhere either, so they just decided to stay on the air. Nobody could get in their car and go, and nobody could get on the uh, trains and go, so they just stuck it out for several hours. They were on for a long time that day. And uh, there were they were catching people up with breaking news, so it was kind of, they were watching all these news sources, so it was kind of like you were getting all the news sources in one report. And so that's what we were doing, and then all of a sudden... The second tower fell first. That was that actually. Where were you when that happened? I was in the apartment, and I I didn't hear it. I saw it on TV happening as it was starting to crumble, and then we started to feel it, and it was like an earthquake because we were four blocks away. We were closer in my apartment than I was at work, so the building crumbled, and I'm really thankful that it did pancake the way it did because. If it had fallen over, we would be gone. All the buildings in its path would have been. Can you, can you imagine? It would have just smashed because there was nothing else that tall next to it. Like World Trade Center 7 is short. Uh, then there's the old church over there. And then there's City Hall, but it's mostly like a park space right there. It would have gone over toward my apartment. So we felt it crumbling. And then the windows went black for like, I don't know, probably a minute, you know, as long as a long earthquake 
shaking, I guess, would be maybe a minute. No, I don't think up to two minutes. It was like a minute. Blacked windows out. Went black. Windows went black. We had two patio doors and then a small window on the very top. It was big. What do you mean went black? The windows went black, like were covered. They, when the building fell. Oh, yeah. Because the stuff was rolling our direction. The, all the dust and debris. All the dust and everything blacked debris, out huh? the window. Yeah. But it was like an earthquake, too. A lot so. of debris must have sunk down, too, right? Yeah. Well, there was a huge... The World Trade Center had... Not only did it have over 100 floors, both of them... Well, one was 100, one was 105, if I remember correctly. It not only had all those floors on top, it had like three stories below the main ground floor. And it, there was a mall in there. There was a mall in there on the first on the first the museum level. Too, right? Museum? No. What museum? Into the World Trade Center. I don't think there was a museum. Maybe there was a transit museum. Was that there? They know they did tours. Uh, they did tours of the top. I mean, you were allowed to go on top to the of of Tower One. Uh, I'm sorry, of Tower. Well, it was Tower Two. Where you had the observation deck, and Tower One was all the antennas and stuff like that, broadcasting things, communications towers. They had a, a basically a mall. Like the first floor was, um, the ground floor was like security check in, right? And um, security check in, and you could get into your office building, your your uh, office floors. But they had um, a mall on the second. Well, the the first floor down was like there was like a airline counter where you could buy tickets plane tickets and then there was a coffee shop and stuff like that but then the next floor down was like a mall and there was like you know clothing stores and food court and all this stuff right and then another floor down was the path trains to jersey it was a subway system and the uh the one i think one two three Maybe the A and C stopped there. I can't remember exactly now. But um, they stopped right there under the World Trade Center. So there's a whole subway system three floors down. It was huge. Huge. And so it, it crumbled. Everything rolled past our, our building. It was black for a minute. And then uh, the floor shook. The ground shook. Like we were having an earthquake. And then my friends started freaking out. Like, fuck, we're like sitting ducks over here, you know? So they were deciding whether or not it was a good idea. They came with us. Um, but there was nowhere else. They would have been out in that stuff, though. So we're sitting there trying to figure out what to do. And then we see on TV the second tower is falling. Tower one, the first one to get hit, is falling. And we're like, shit, one more, you know? I can't believe this is happening. And it falls. It's like we're watching a movie because we're watching it happen on TV and then we're feeling it, you know. And it was, uh, it quaked again. Windows went black again, exactly the same as the first one. And that's when people started running into our building. There were people from the stock exchange running into our building. And they were covered. They were a little bit bloody from scratches and stuff hitting them. Some were a lot bloody. And they were all covered in, like, snow, which was the building soot. Asbestos. Everything. It was the concrete, pulverized concrete. It was shredded carpet and burnt ashes of whatever. And uh, they were running into our apartment, and they were begging to use the phone. 
and I let people into our apartment and they called. I don't even know where they called. <laughs> they all called their loved ones and told them they weren't dead and that they were okay and they were going to try and make their way home, right? Um, these were people from the stock exchange, which was about two and a half blocks from me. And that's where we saw, I took you by there where there's the George Washington statue and stuff like that. Um, that was that little neighborhood. But yeah, so we were, um, we were scared. We didn't know what to do. So, cause again, you don't know how much more is coming. You have no idea. Huh? No idea. And then we decided to, um, Oh, in the ground, I went out and took some pictures off my balcony and there was about an inch, two inches of this building stuff, this dust, this snow all over the balcony, all over the streets, everything. And, uh, I used to have, I can't find the old, the shot now, but there was a fire truck that passed by through our street and I took a photo of it and it had the windshield was blown out and it was a little bit crushed on the top. And it had all this trash. Um, I don't know if that was trash from their fire truck or it just got blown in there or what. And there was trash all over their dashboard. And um, they were just in there like this is part of their work day, you know. They have no windshield anymore. And the weird part is that we, well, okay, so we, we soaked some rags in water. And to, to to cover our mouths, we were we decided to go to Robbie and Casey's house, and they lived in Brooklyn. So we just decided we're going to start walking. So I took my camera, I took uh, like a change of clothes, two changes of clothes, in a backpack, and we left our cats in the house. We couldn't take them right now, right? So I left my two cats in there with a bunch of food and water, and I didn't know how long we'd be gone. And then. Um, we start walking and we walked, I don't know, we walked up Water Street, I think. We walked all the way up. We were going to go, our goal was to go to the Manhattan Bridge. So we passed the Brooklyn Bridge, we go to Manhattan, and that would take us into their neighborhood, kind of. So um, we walked through Chinatown. And it, it was weird because all these people were, shop owners were like reaching out to everybody walking. They, everybody was walking. And, um, just kind of in a daze, you know, and they had um, people were offering water and to allow us to go to the bathroom. You need to go to the bathroom. You can use my store like for the first time ever, like inviting you to come in to just use the restroom if you need to. Here's some bottled water. They were passing out all their bottled water all the way to the bridge. And then we get on the bridge and it's just a sea of people. I have a shot of that bunch of people on the bridge and Robbie and I are walking with our mouths covered and I look back and the city's just burning. And it was sad because I kept thinking, and this is such a stupid, selfish thought. I kept thinking, man, there's this hole in my skyline now, you know, like, you know, you live in a city, yes. a certain city and you like the view and you think about it. It was such a selfish thought because there are all these people dead and burning right now, you know, and crushed and, and, um, it was weird uh, that I thought that, but I was like, it's so sad. I don't have the same skyline anymore. It's not my city anymore. It looks different. Everything's going to change now. And then uh, I got to Casey's house and we we stayed there for two days. And then um, 
after those two days, we just decided to go back and we hadn't received any notice about uh, what was, how things were at our apartment, right? We didn't get a call or anything like that. So we show back up to the house, the apartment, and um, we go in and there's no power and um, no water, no plumbing going on. So the water shut off, gas is shut off, power shut off. And we decided to stay because our cats are there and we'd have no way to get back because we walked back in. We have no way to get back to Brooklyn that night. So we stayed overnight and um, we listened to overnight where? at what our house it? with candles and stuff, you know. But nobody told us we couldn't go in or anything. There was nobody there. And I had no phone service and we had no cell phone um, service. So I went down to the payphone. And I called my mom just to let her know how things were. And it was weird because it was starting to get dark. It was like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. You could hear noises? Noise, what kind of noises? Fire alarms. No, I don't think at that time. It was pretty quiet. It was eerie. There was no power on the whole. Uh, what time was this? This was about 7 o'clock, I think, because it was starting to get dark. It was dusk. And then a tank rolled by in downtown New York. There was a tank. And then I saw on the other street, on Water Street, past me, another tank. And there was military there. It was a National Guard. But it was weird because um, you don't see tanks in Manhattan. And they were the only things on the street. And so I called my mom and uh, talked to her for a little bit. And then we went back inside. And it was crazy because there's no plumbing. So you can't flush the toilet or anything. And we were like, we shouldn't stay here any longer. So the next day, we took our cats to Casey's again, for to Casey and Robbie's house in Brooklyn for... Walking? No, the trains, the trains were working by then. This was like the third day after, I guess. So we took the cats with us and some more clothes, and we left. I had to start a new job the next day. So let's say this is a Friday, I guess. I had to start a new job on Monday. And so I had to clothes and stuff for that. People were starting to kind of get back to normal operations, but not really. And there still was no flight. I think they canceled flights for like, what, three days or something like that? Yes. We had clean air here for three days. <laughs> and then, um, so finally, uh, when we went back to our house, um, they were just then re restoring power and everything. So, so we went back to... Um, living down there and it was weird because nobody people didn't really live down downtown um in that area it was mostly work people working there but now everybody lives downtown but um it, there so there weren't many people and there wasn't really a lot of information about what we should do they were shutting off gas every once in a while because buildings were still unstable infrastructure was like because that it, there were so many things that were damaged when those buildings fell. It's a huge, a huge piece of land right there. And uh, the other buildings fall around there. Well, that day there were um, World Trade Center um, Tower Seven fell, and I think Tower Five they forced to fall, or or I have it mixed up. Tower Five, which it fell naturally, and then Tower Seven they they forced it down because it was unstable. Tower Five that used to be my spot. It was a short little building, black building. And it looked like a piano because it had like it was on stilts. This building, 
and it was right across from the cemetery. I showed you that old cemetery right when we went back. The, so the weight of the other two buildings brought the other ones down now. I think it uh, it destabilized a lot of stuff in that area. I mean, if I felt it four, four blocks away, and it was enough to um, for them to turn off our gas and stuff, they were worried about gas lines running under those streets. These are old streets. You know, Washington went up these fucking streets on his horse. You know, these are old streets. A lot of those are cobblestone still. A lot of those are, you know, brick streets. And so there was a lot of stuff damaged, but um, well, that was my spot right there. So I used to study when I was in grad school. That was my place to study. I sat in the Barnes & Noble in that black building, World Trade Center 7. There was a Barnes & Noble on the second floor. It was only two, maybe three stories high. And um, I sat in the big chair by the window, and I'd look out the window at the cemetery, and that was my study spot. I saw the cemetery. Yeah. It's a nice little old, old oh, cemetery. I don't think, I think the earliest, I think the earliest grave over there might be 1700. Hmm. I think so. 1690, something like that. That was in front of the buildings. Yeah. Well, the whole, that's in front of that black building. The other ones, the other ones were kind of diagonal to that. There was a lot of stuff going on in these things, these buildings. And so three planes hit it. No, two planes. Two planes. Two planes hit those. And then one plane was in a field in Pennsylvania. That was the one that the passengers took over, the cockpit, and then they forced it to crash. And then the fourth one was in the Pentagon. There was a report, though, at one point, well, at least Howard was reporting it from another source, saying that there was a fifth plane out there and that it was shot down. And they talked about that for a little bit that day, no more after that. Do you remember anything like that? I remember they, they stopped a second uh, scramble attack in Houston, Texas. That same day? No, I don't know how many days after. Oh, I don't know. I didn't hear about that. But um, that same day, I heard about a fifth plane. That was shot down. That was shot down. And then they never mentioned it again after that day or maybe two days after. But... uh I kept thinking, because first of all, there's this, the rest of the time, for about three months, there was a smell after that, right? There's this smell, this burning, kind of like if you leave a pan on too long, yeah. um, a pan on the fire for too long, and there's just this hot metal smell, and it burns, <laughs> it kind of burns your nose a little bit. That's what it smelled like, and uh, and all I kept thinking about was what was burning inside there. Okay, you got two hundred five floors. Two hundred five floors total. Two buildings. Oh, that's right. One had a hundred. I think it, I think these are the exact numbers. A hundred, and the other one had a hundred five. You've got over two hundred floors um, of wood. I can think how many conference rooms are on each floor. And these big conference rooms had giant wooden tables, oak tables probably, you know, depended on the office. But the ones I went to in the, in the, when I was recru doing recruiting and staffing, they were all decked out, you know, Persian rugs in the CEO's office, in the executive's offices. Uh, they've got their own oak furniture for however many offices around the, the perimeter of the building, of the floor. And this is times 200, you know. Plus the stuff in the mall, right? Plus uh, the desks, every desk, every computer on every floor, 
all the paper on every floor, filing cabinets, carpet, chairs. How many chairs are in the office building? You know, in, in on an office floor, how many office chairs are there? Times 200 floors, you know? I kept thinking about that. And that's why it smoldered for so long. It smoldered and it stunk. And um, we smelled it until December when they had the first, I think it was the first snow that finally put it out. Because there was, it rained a couple times, but it ne- never really did anything to put it out. It was all closed off. You couldn't see anything afterwards. There was a lot. Of, it was closed off probably a few days after, three or four days after. And then at that cemetery I showed you next to that church, um, people put up their own flyers for missing people. And that's what happened. It started to become this like wall. The whole fence around the, the cemetery became this billboard or a bulletin board for people to put up photos of their loved ones, missing people, stuffed animals, all sorts of stuff covered this fence for months and months. I think it was probably like six months before the church decided to take it down because the Catholic church owns that property and they decided to take it down eventually. But flyers with people's pictures on them that people had, their loved ones hadn't come home. And then, um, that was going on there. And then I hated, um, I started to get tourists asking, and they would say, uh, can you tell us how to get to Ground Zero? How long ago is this? This is like probably a three year? or four months after it happened, right? Damn. And they're asking, where is Ground Zero? These are tourists. There's, it's not on a map yet. It's not a, it doesn't have a museum there yet. There's nothing to see there except wreckage, right? A tarp. Yeah, well, not even a tarp. It's a hole in the ground. That they were trying to but take blocked, stuff out right? of. You really it was kind of blocked. You could see in there. Um, it wasn't completely blocked. Like you could peer in, like a construction site, and uh, it was lit at night. Floodlights all over there because they were still taking stuff out. You know, sifting through there. They were taking loads and loads of it. They built a ramp out of the uh, the pit where the trucks and trucks would go down there and pick up debris and take it out. But there weren't enough trucks. Like they was constantly, they were constantly doing that. It was a ton of stuff. And, um, but yeah, people would start looking for World Trade Center or looking for Ground Zero, as they said. And I was so mad that they were wanting to go gawk at this, and so I'd tell them to go a different direction. I'd try to get them lost because I just thought that was disrespectful. Why do you want to go see a hole in the ground where people died? Like, anyway, that's my nine eleven story. That was crazy. You did more than I did. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Those jobs were lost too, huh? Yeah, and I was finishing grad school. I finished grad school um, that year. I finished it in June of that year. And so now all these people are out of, out of jobs, and I was starting a new job, doing this, running this recruiting staffing firm. So you ended up keeping that job? No. When you were supposed to start? <laughs> no, I, I went there. And I worked there for about two months, three months. And what was happening was, this is recruiting and staffing, right? Yes. But all our companies are financial firms and legal firms who are all located either in Midtown or downtown. So downtown, it was like all the jobs left at once or everybody was on a hiring freeze. 
or, you know, you know how many companies were in the World Trade Center that employed people? And uh, those companies no longer had offices down there. So then they had, so basically I'm all of a sudden competing um, or I'm, I'm trying to staff people in jobs in this economy that now has way fewer jobs available, right? So we didn't have, a lot of our clients got rid of people, closed their offices down there, obviously. And we're just, you know, reorganizing. And my boss wanted to start changing my job description. And instead of focusing on building this company and running this company, I now had to do sales, right? I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. I do not get on the phone and try to talk people into buying something, especially in an economy where nobody wants to buy, nobody wants to hire people because they're letting go of all their full-time people. Why would they want to hire contractors, right? Temps. Why would they want to hire these people? They had no work. They had no office. They had to combine jobs, people into their midtown office or whatever, you know. They lost records. So many records were held down there. Uh, people's, you know, personnel files and stuff like that. Like everything was gone. It was chaotic. I couldn't sell people on hiring new people, right? Right. So I felt that was stupid and uh, I said, I, I can't I can't do this. Oh, in, in addition to wanting me to do sales, then he also wanted to cut my salary by uh, 30%, which Damn. was a lot. And then uh, I faxed him. He was up in White Plains, New York, and I faxed him my resignation. And I said, hell no. And then I went back to work at Goldman Sachs. And Goldman was not letting go of people yet, but it was quiet there. And uh, a lot of their work dried up for a bit. And then Goldman started doing presentations on for Blackwater Group and for uh, who are the other companies down there? Oh, Halliburton and all those people. We had all those as clients. You know, loans? No. This was trying to... I didn't work in banking, the banking area. I worked in something called Equity Capital Markets. And they did... Um, they helped do deals, right? So let's say there's a government job in this new... Uh, wherever we are at war, Right. So we're over in Afghanistan. No, we're over in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq, right? Iraq specifically. And there's an opening for a government contract for security, right? Security forces over there. We don't just use military for stuff anymore. We bid, we outsource, we bid, we open these, these job needs out to um, businesses, private businesses now. And if they come in at a good bid we'll give them the government contract and then they can hire private citizens to go over and do this work that really the military is also doing side by side, but it's extra people and they have all this extra money from the government. So they pay these people way more than the military people doing the same job. My, my driver from Orlando, George, he was one of those guys, a contractor over there. Yeah. He was in charge of, <clears throat> Um, protecting the the voting count in Iraq. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these aren't military people. 
Well, I, so I left that job. I forgot to say that. I left that recruiting job. I resigned. I started looking for recruiting stuff, and I couldn't find jobs, of course. And, and HR, I'm, in, I'm looking for HR stuff, and I'm competing. I had about three years' experience. I'm competing with people who were out of work who had had like 10, 15 years' experience, you know. Yeah, so uh, it was tough to uh, get a job, though. I was uh, out of luck. So I went back to temping uh, contracting at Goldman Sachs. Me, I continue to do the Get Locals tour. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, Crazy man, Woo! it was crazy. Noise, I could just picture all that noise. I could just imagine right now, like the backup of all these funerals, you know? Yeah, there was a backup of, of funerals at every every church in Orlando. Yeah, for all the victims, and I could just imagine thousands and thousands of people that were at the night that were affected by nine eleven. All these funerals. Yeah, they were caskets, probably. Well, my friend I worked with, her husband was a firefighter in Staten Island, actually in Brooklyn. They're from Staten Island, but he worked in Brooklyn. So they, uh, he was a firefighter in Brooklyn. They have to attend as a firefighter. You have to attend fallen firefighters' funerals, no matter where they're from, right? Like no matter what battalion they're from or whatever. So he, um, he had to go to all these funerals. He was sick of going to funerals. He couldn't take it anymore. And not sick of it because it was annoying, but sick of it because there were so many funerals to go to, really firefighters. There were several each week for weeks. And it did, I think they did back up. And I don't even know about the private funerals for non-firefighters. Um, but there were a ton of those too. And then some that were just memorials because there's no bodies. You know, sometimes there weren't any bodies recovered. There was maybe a body part. But anybody who talks about it as a conspiracy, like, can just go away. Cause, <laughs> I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. Anybody who talks about the buildings, like, having explosives in, in them or something like that, just needs to quit because I saw like, it all happen. Trying to get over you seeing the plane walk into the other building like butter. Yeah, it was so smooth. So smooth, so peaceful, and then boom. But it was just this moment of serene, like, it was like there, it didn't knock out any windows on the way in. It just sliced right through, and then everything blew out. It was just so calm. It's what? What? We didn't even welcome everybody to the Angel of the Casserole podcast. Oh, my God. Welcome, everybody. That was Lisa Esparza's (laughs) 9-11 story and conspiracy theory. I didn't talk about conspiracy theories. I just said... I, I do I I I'm a, I'm with Gore Vidal and what he talked about in his book Perpetual War for Perpetual Peace when he talked about uh he talked to people who were on NORAD and they said there were stand down orders to scramble jets after the first plane hit. There were stand down orders and they did not scramble, which is rare and which is very odd and everybody was asking why aren't we scrambling? Everybody at NORAD they had stand-down orders from the government, and that is where the conspiracy lies, not in whether the buildings really collapsed because of the fire. Yes, they did, and uh, there were no extra explosives and and explosives set up in the building. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And uh, they had jumbo jets in them. Jumbo <laughs> jet, Rasa. Plus the heat, and the heat may not warp those beams but they do destroy the bolts and the connectors 
and uh, they collapsed on their own. And that's the way they were designed to collapse. They were designed that way because if they had gone the other way, it would have been so much more destruction. Although I did think the top of that second tower was going to pop off because it was so weak looking. What do you want to talk about, Al? I think we said enough. <laughs> it's 9-11, that's it? That's all it's going to be about? What else you got? Yeah, man. So, people, if you're listening right now, I'm going to be at the Oxnard Levity Live this week. And uh, Saturday Saturday's show is all sold out. Yeah. So, get your tickets for Friday. And things are going well right now for me, of course. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. You've been very busy. We talked about that last time, what we've been busy on, but... Um, now it, you had two networks and in, interested in your, in your pilot. But not only that, what's going on with you sitting on a diaper? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm sitting on a puddle pad basically on my chair because, a puddle uh, pad, people. I had it's one in the car earlier diaper. today. It's not an adult diaper. It's a puddle pad. It's basically to catch anything that might spill because we were having another miscarriage. And yes, we went to the hospital yesterday. Well, well, I didn't. Yeah, we didn't tell anybody either. We didn't want to tell nobody. But we were 11 weeks along. 11 weeks. But this was a weird one because I was having some spotting, right? Since Chicago. So the past two and a half weeks, three weeks, right? Spotting every day almost. There's some spotting is normal, but this was odd. So, and I didn't have any cramping or anything. So I didn't think it was much of anything and I didn't want to worry too much. So I waited, I delayed my appointment. And then we went yesterday, got an ultrasound and it was an anembryonic pregnancy this time. So there never was a fetus, never was a baby, but there was a gestational sac and a placenta that was created by my body. So my body thinks it's pregnant. And I was still getting hormones and all the symptoms of pregnancy. And now I have to have a miscarriage of everything and no baby again. So I have to pass this stuff, and I'm hoping it does not happen at the wrong time. We have a lot of driving to what do in the mean, next two days. What does that mean, amniotic? Amniotic. The baby was never oh, formed, and then what? Right. And embryonic means without an embryo. Oh. So everything else formed except the baby. Baby. Yeah, all the other parts of the pregnancy formed. And that's why I got a positive... So the body confused that the, thing a, the body thinks there's still a baby there. Yeah, that's why I'm getting all the symptoms. That's why my positive, my pregnancy test was positive. And because the placenta is what gives off... The implantation and the placenta is what gives off pregnancy. the pregnancy hormones. And that's what starts the symptoms, either you know nausea, sleepiness, and all that stuff. Nausea. Sore breasts. You know, all that. I had all the symptoms. and um, Hungry? Hungry sometimes, yeah. Like weak if I don't eat every couple hours, something little. And then, uh, yeah, so whatever. I'm not as sad about this one because there never was a fetus, so. Um, well, the mystery baby. But I'm frustrated that I have to. Uh, Rush. Yeah, I have to go through this without any reward again. But we'll see. We're going to keep trying, I guess. But that's it. I guess we won't talk about the other subject. We wanted to talk about um, something else, but... We'll... Porno? 
the porn stuff. Well, how much time we have left? Um, we've been going for about probably an hour and ten minutes at this point. You can just mention the article if you want. Okay, well. Or you have other stuff. All right, well, let's. If I okay, if I go into that, then we will start talking about it. But uh, I was reading an article um, that my friend, well, my cousin, posted up, and she is to, to in all um, fairness, she's a Mormon. So there you go. She's more conservative than than most about that, but she's not super conservative. She's a little more liberal than other other religious. How many people. kids she has? Nine. No, I think she has seven. Let's see, she? she has one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, I think. She's a little bit younger than me, maybe two years younger than me, 42. Damn, seven kids. 41. Seven. Seven kids, yeah, a lot of kids. And the thing is, <laughs> I think she had a lot of those kids before she was Mormon. She had at least four before she was Mormon. I might be wrong on that. Anyway, she... um. She posted an article about porn and said that she was, um, you know, her dad, I guess, had an issue with porn, too, and had a problem with porn. And she would see porn, like, lying around, like, you know, Playboy magazines and stuff like that, um, lying around when she was a kid, and it really bothered her, messed her up. And I saw porno magazines when I was a kid. It didn't really mess me up, but it was weird. It messed me up. <laughs> Uh, but I saw, I remember seeing in the laundromat in our apartment building when I was a kid, I found a magazine that had like golden showers pictures on it. I uh, never seen those. And I was like, what the hell? People do this? This is what sex is about? I had no idea. I had no idea it was a thing that not everybody does, you know. It was just disgusting. It was gross. I think it was the janitor's, um, the maintenance guy's uh, I found a book. Magazine. I think I told you already. I found a book. On bestiality, and it was like a, a, like all stories about people having sex with whole, with animals. Uh huh. It was crazy, man. I was turned on. That's gross. I was mounting this horse. <laughs> my breast, my bosom, on his back. Oh, I forgot to mention this thing, this memory that this brought up. What memory? I'll cut this and move it over there. Oh, but uh, when I was. I had one of these puddle pads in the car with me while I was driving because I was afraid I was gonna everything was gonna start to come out in a gush in the car when I went to pick up Isaac from school and uh, and sitting on it in the car reminded me of this point in my childhood when I was about five maybe six years old and I I may have told you this a few years ago. But I don't think I've told anybody else about this. But when I was that age, five or six, I had this problem all of a sudden with shitting my pants. Right? Yeah, so your dad left or before? It was before my dad left, but there was a lot of violence going on in the home. And I think it may have affected me. I'm not sure why I started doing this, but I could not hold my shit anymore. Like I would be out of the store, I had to go to the bathroom, and I either didn't say I needed to go or I didn't want to tell anybody i don't know what it was but i i went in my pants and my mom was so disgusted by it that it was embarrassing but it's also funny and it's also sad 
but she would, she made me every time we went in the car then from then after, once this started, this problem started, I had to take off my pants in the back seat and sit on newspaper. Down girl. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? That that was her solution to put me on newspaper in the back you seat of the bad car. Girl. Like a like a dog. Like Crazy, a, man. Could you ever do that to your child? Like humiliate going. them like that? <laughs> I mean, uh, hell no. Obviously, there's a problem, right? Wouldn't that signal that there's some sort of problem with your child, and you need to look into this more? And uh, I was wondering why I start a newspaper now. <laughs> what? Never you said on newspaper too. <laughs> you said on newspaper too. That they're making me read it. Oh. No. Nah. Yeah, feel only one sit. time. I felt like shit. I felt horrible. No I felt pun intended. Embarrassed. And no, it was not one time. This lasted for about six months. I had to do this every Damn, time I got in the car. Damn, a long time. Man. It was a long time. It felt like a long time. I'm I never got any help for it. She never, like, we never saw anybody. Like, I don't even know. Did you stop? I stopped eventually. I don't know what happened. Stop drinking milk. <laughs> we never drank milk. I don't know what it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was all the stuff. Because, you know, my dad left probably about two years after that. So, you know, I think it must have been stuff that I had seen in the house. Um, but yeah, every time we went out to the store, I'd have to take my pants off, right? Just cover myself with my pants on my lap, but I had to sit on newspaper naked in the back. Damn. Bottomless. Yeah, when it got into a car accident, you had to put your pants on. <laughs> oh, Horrible, isn't it? Horrible. It's hard to say. It's hard to admit to. But this, sitting on this puddle pad today reminded me of that. I was like, oh, I had this flash. And I had all I could think about was my little plaid pants. I had these little plaid bell bottoms that were my favorite pants. Because I felt strong in those. I felt like, I felt like, uh, you know, Saturday Night Fever, you know, his little stance with his finger up in the air. I felt like badass at that age in those little pants. Yeah. And I think that they were the ones I messed up maybe the first or second time that that happened. But, you know, it was it was no fun. Anyway, back to the porn stuff. So let's cut. I'll cut that and move that around. So, so my cousin posted this article um, about porn, right? And it said, it was basically asking, is porn cheating? You know, when you're in a marriage or a relationship. And... And porn Only is, if you follow the porn star on Instagram. <laughs> so, do you see it at all as cheating? As as how do, how do you see it in your relationship? I don't know. With, I don't with watch me porn. now. Oh, don't lie. Well, here's the thing: because she was saying all her friends were agreeing, yes, it destroys families and all this stuff. And I'm torn because if they're watching it at home while they're there. It's a problem. I agree. I agree. It's a problem because now but you're spending more time some, there. Right. Hiding now. If you, anything, anything you got to hide is bad. Yeah, I agree. I'll put it out there, man. If you got to hide to do something for fun from your family, it's cheating. Yeah. there's Or it's, it's a bad. thought that's going to lead to yeah, cheating. It's going to yeah. lead to something else. Because now you're doing that. So, well, maybe I can hide other stuff now. Yeah. Now you're eating KFC by yourself. <laughs> And then 
After that, man, when you start eating KFC without your family, there's a problem, man. Especially if it's the family bucket. Yeah, man. You're, either, you're at a fucking you're eating you're at a parking lot. You're a fucking married man in a parking lot at a park. Everyone else is smoking now weed, drinking forties, and you're just there laughing, eating KFC by yourself. <laughs> there's a problem, leg. man. You're gonna leave your family sooner or later. Yeah, man, you shouldn't hide to do stuff. That's why you get away with you. If you're a traveling salesman, if you're by yourself, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta release yourself, you know? Well, that's what, that's how I'm torn because, um, I didn't say anything to her. I didn't start an argument. Some guys take it to the next level. Like, oh, I know. They keep watching, or like, they say, oh, I'm not gonna watch porn, but I'll just go to strip bars. Right. Or I'm not gonna go to porn, but I'm gonna go to, I don't know what else they have. Um, the, those booths. Escort services too. Those well, booths. well, yeah, the peep shows, yeah, peep in some places. Witches. Once that Kurt's peep show door closed, it's sad. <laughs> the lights come on. The world just, <laughs> you're, it's sad, man. Like, it's like your, your reality, your, your world comes back. It's crashing down. I think it's, I don't know, man. I think it is. If you're doing it at home and you're spending most of your time. I agree. If you're avoiding you're your family. You're trying to bend your woman's leg back, but she don't know stretches out. So you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> She's far, you know. <laughs> I can't pump, pump, pump my legs back like that. <laughs> I was made. I was built for this. Yeah, I I feel like if uh, I feel like it can become a problem when the person who's really into porn, I feel like it can become a problem in two ways. One, if you're avoiding having relations with your significant other because you're satisfied with porn then that creates a distance, a void in your current relationship, right? Because you're getting your pleasure elsewhere. And there's no intimacy. It takes away the intimacy. If you're not messing around a few times a week, you know, then you're not being intimate and close with your partner. So that creates distance. Um, but also I think there's a problem that, that starts, at, that I'm afraid of with, you know, with Isaac, you know, or anybody young watching porn too is that uh, for so long you can go for so long without you know connecting with a human in that way you know if you're single if you're young and then you might get this idea that you can dial up anything you can type in anything you want to see and there it is and then in a relationship, when you're in a real relationship, you're trying to... I'd be surprised, man. I When I first got my laptop, I was looking up anything, Googling to see if it's out there, and it's out there, man. Like, oh, I it's out there. looked up poop eaters. <laughs> and there's actually girls who eat poop. Well, that's the two girls, one cup. But I've never seen that. that. Yeah. I never had seen it be other stuff before that. Yeah. Well, when you start looking, man... They've been scat films for years. That's gross. That's gross, man. And there's peeing... And actually pooping, man. Like I can't There's get farting. past. I There's can't get. I, I don't. I can't. I can't get. I can't get into that because it smells, man. And yeah, I know smells it, and I know. <laughs> I don't want to smell my own shit, man. I don't want to smell somebody else's. <laughs> I know, man. But I feel like if once you can di- can type in anything and get it and get pleasure from that, then. When you're in a real relationship and you can't get that person to be into whatever it is you're into or to, you know, on command, do whatever you want uh, or service you like the POV. A lot of the porn is POV, point of view stuff, right? 
and for the guy. And this guy, I guess, gets into a relationship and starts to think, well, they're just supposed to service me for 10 hours. And, you know, and that's how we have sex. Because that's the way the porns are made for these men. The porns, the pornos. As a matter of fact, your your sexual life, like when I want to have sex now, I got to have the bright lighting. (laughs) In a hotel room sheet or bedspread. Um, but, But then, so I'm torn because, yeah, I do see the harmful effects that are possible. But then for someone like us, our relationship, you're gone several days a week, right? I would much rather you be watching porn than... You know, going home at the end of the night with Thank somebody. You. I won't feel good. I won't delete my history no more. <laughs> the, you know, I would much rather you be looking at porn and doing that on the road than going out with somebody after a show or, you know, picking up a hooker like, you know, some of these people in their escort services. I don't think you'd go that far. The after party. <laughs> or going to the after party and that sort of thing, you know. I, page. I, I'm totally fine with you finding your pleasure in that way. That's okay. And so I don't have a problem with... I don't even watch porn. I just watch American Greed and go to sleep. <laughs> no, that's my life when you're gone. That's what I do. Anyway, so that was my take on it, but I didn't no, respond to the, her. The thing with, um, like, if a kid is watching porn, like me when I was at, like, 12 or 11, I still haven't seen a full porno yet. Mm-hmm. Or uh, well, it wasn't that available or a magazine back then either. With, those magazines with Bush, nothing like that. Yeah. All I saw was maybe a glance. I didn't start seeing a porn until I was like fourteen or fifteen when I got it, when I started like spending more time away from the house. Yeah. Once I got out away from the house, yeah. And I started going to the trash cans. <laughs> I started finding porn. Yeah. And um, I. Jugs was one of the first magazines I saw. Uh-huh. And I said, damn. <laughs> so then after that, I knew that the 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 bookstores or whatever the um photography, sometimes the, the the chicks are naked. So I went to the library and I'm looking Oh, at- like art, yeah. nude art. Okay. Art books, yeah. Well, you know, one of my first things well this <laughs> I was older. I was probably nineteen. Oh, researching. But I really liked um the Madonna sex book. You know, remember that sex book? I never got to see I owned it. Man. I owned it and so it had hundred dollars, right? It was a lot. I think it was like eighty dollars. It had metal. It was awesome. First book of all, have, by the way. It was a cool book and I owned it. But it was a piece of shit book also because those metal things it was a spiral bound book with metal covers. And then the inside pages were paper like cardstock. Those things always came off the spiral and I hated it. it I couldn't turn the pages because they got the metal thing. So you got to carefully pull that aside then turn the pages carefully. And then everything would come off the, the spiral, the spiral binding. It pissed me off. Um, but that was some sexy photography and I really enjoyed that book. I thought that was a great book and not for the, the guys necessarily. I think Madonna's body was great in great shape at that point. You know, it was like, other people in there. It was just a good book, and it had like poetry and stuff, and erotic uh, stories and stuff too. But Eminem, he wasn't in there. Sorry, um, Vanilla Ice, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Big Daddy Kane, and that girl with the forehead, Naomi Campbell. Yeah, some others. I can't remember who else was. Oh, there. getting back to Steve for 
Oh, uh, I didn't get porno, to see yeah. porno till like later video, on. You mean? Till, I, till I was in junior high school. In junior high school, I think I said that story when my parents left. Oh, this is a but, disturbing story. Yeah, but what I'm thinking now is that um, it might affect a younger person, like, you know, Ike's age, who's 12, anybody younger than that, 12, 13, 14, because now they're going to be, gonna, their view of a woman is going to be like, the girl has to be big ass titties. She has to be super, super hot. Right. And well, um, that's always been the fear, yeah. And then they start comparing that to the, their comic books. Hmm. Yeah. Like, this is what a woman's supposed to look like, and yeah. then they can't get into girls their own age and girls who aren't, you know, necessarily stacked, you know? But, uh... You dress like winter. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's hard to keep... I, I have filters and stuff on Isaac's internet on our Mac in there and then on his phone, but... Well, I don't have it on your laptop. It's, it's over crazy. here. It's on the family computer. But, but you know, I have to put filters up and stuff, but there's still stuff. Like, I know there's anime out there that you can't filter. There's there's all sorts of animated sensual situations, you know. I can't stop it completely, but at least I can cut it down a little bit when he's here, you know. And uh, I know it's going to happen, but I don't want everything available to him at his fingertips all the time. I just I think that's dangerous. For at, at least for him and his developing mind, you know. So. Anyway, that's all I got to say today. I talked a lot during the. I'll cut that nine eleven stuff down a little. Bit. About next week, where am I going to be at? Next week, you're in Boston and Providence, Rhode Island, East Providence, on the twenty first on twenty second of September. You're in Providence at uh, Rhode Island Comedy Connection. And then the 23rd, you are in Boston at the Wilbur, Wilbur Theater. And um, if you know anybody in Boston, tell them to go to that show because we need people there. It's a, it's a, still kind of a new market for you. So and that's a big theater. So, and then after that, you are going to be... Uh, on BET, Comedy Get Down. Comedy Get Down with George Lopez that you taped the other day. I taped it with Nate Diaz. He's my road dog in that movie. Yeah. On that show. Try to get Nate on. Next time when you go up to Pleasanton in January, Tommy T's, you should take your stuff. And we'll try to get try to get him. Just go to his place in Stockton on the way up, maybe. And uh, do a little interview with him and his brother at the gym, maybe. Yeah, man. But yeah, then, um, oh, 1st of October. 1st um First of October, you are in Fresno on Mike Epps um, show at the Selen Theater, um, Selen Arena in Fresno. October 1st, you, Mike Epps, Gary Owen, and that'll be a funny show. And um, tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster. What am I doing, like 15 minutes? Probably 15, 20, yeah. And then um, after that, you're going to do... the 7th through the 9th of October at Ontario Improv. And... Get your tickets. What else we got coming up? We got Salt Lake City in October. We've got Arlington, Virginia, D.C. area. Humphrey by the Bay in San Diego. by the Bay in San Diego. Yeah, that's going to be a good show. And in November, San Antonio River Center. 
November, Denver. San Antonio, also Bellevue, Seattle, Washington. Um, yeah, River Center and Addison Improv as well. And then Sacramento in December. And I think we're done for the year after that. We're done. We're going to Cuba, people. Well, I, I like the idea of a Cuba trip, but I'd like to at least go to Hawaii. Hawaii. Save some money, go to Maui. Or hopefully they'll give me a show, and then it'll be worth it. Yeah, we got to find all this out because there are two networks interested in that's your my show. Break that's my breaking even. <laughs> I got two networks uh, interested in your show, and that's great. And so now they're going to... We'll see. We're going to see what happens, make a good deal, and maybe, maybe get a pilot out there, and hopefully get picked up. Yes. That's then the we goal. Can go work on a television show now. Yeah, and then... For a couple of years. It might cut down on your road work a little bit it's going to cut down significantly actually um just when i was having fun in naples <laughs> so it'll cut out some of those things but um you know your special that's going to make the special easier to sell we're going to make the special also available on oh, audio yeah, on vinyl that. so felipe and i are planning out the vinyl how it's going to be what's going to we're going to probably put a poster or something cool inside um every album and yeah, we're gonna probably make, make about two hundred of it. Yeah, trying to make we're trying to make the album really special. Yeah, inserts and stuff like that. Yeah, and, the way albums used. What was your favorite album as a kid? Like album, album that you would stare at all the time. I didn't like the movie, but I always stare at it. The Grease album. Okay. They had that. a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And going Saturday on. Night Fever too. Yeah, Saturday Night Fever was it opened up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the Grease one it had like. It had our little pictures of the whole movie on it. Uh-huh. American Graffiti probably too. I liked the Thriller album. I liked opening I don't remember it. remember that one. On the front, he's there with a, a, he's there like on his side in his white suit. And then you open it up and he's got a little baby tiger right there. <laughs> <laughs> see, I didn't know that. I, I, I yeah. See, yeah, it's cool. On the front, he's just laying in on the side in his suit. And then you open it up and he's got a little baby tiger no right t-shirt there. on, right? No, no, he had a black shirt on under a white suit, I think. But I would stare at it for hours, and I'd listen to the album. I learned every word on that album. And I would I would just stare. And it was just cool to have this this stuff inside. Some of them had a poster. I remember um, my mom had a Queen Bohemian, no, 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 uh, Day at the Races album. And Day at the Races had Fat Bottom Girls on it. Oh, no, 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 no. Jazz, sorry, the the album was Jazz, the Queen album, and it had Day at the Race. I'm sorry, it had um, Fat Bottom Girls, the song on it, and the photo inside there was a poster. The one I liked was the 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 one they gave me, the Chichen Chong one. Hold on, hold on. The poster had tons of naked women on bicycles, Which one that about one? to take off on a race. This was the poster in the Queen album, Jazz, oh. that had that song, Fat Bottom Girls, on it. You know that song? Fat yeah. Bottom Girls, you make the rocky world go round. That song. Um, and then it says, get on your bikes and ride. <laughs> but there's a poster on in the inside, and it, it was a bunch of naked women, completely naked, in socks and tennis shoes. Some had visors on, and they were about to set off on a bicycle race. Why are you playing with the rabbit food right now? She's getting all excited. She bit me, man. <laughs> She's excited. Hurry up. 
<laughs> Slippers, come here. Speakies, speakies, speakies. She can't take it. Yeah. Um, the queen, we will rock you. Yeah. That one had a, a going too. Oh yeah, it I was had like that. the whole robot, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, that weird. Shit. Uh, the creepy ass album. Yeah, it was weird. So yeah, we're gonna make the album fancy. Yeah. Lisa's gonna of course do everything. Oh, like always, <laughs> produce it, edit it. She does all the technical stuff for Angela the Casserole. All the technical stuff for um, editing and polishing up the What's Up Food podcast. And she does a lot of stuff. She works on 24 hours a day. I do. I work a lot. While I sit and watch Madden and remember jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, babe. Thank I love you. you, too. Wait, here. I want to show you the poster before I... Uh Here's the poster laid out. So they had a, yeah, here it is. That's the poster right there. I've never seen that album. No. That's the poster. They're all on 10 speeds and they're getting ready and they're all nude. It's like one of the, you know that guy who does that photography of nude crowds? Yes. I can't remember his name right now. But um, I don't know if he took this, but it's all 80s style women. And what's funny is he's totally gay. Freddie was totally gay, but... And Persian. And Persian. Farouk Bulsara is his name. Yeah, man. All right. Anyway, um, that's it for Enchilada. And hopefully, um, if we have the time, we'll see you in a week and a half or less. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Right, bye. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> no, so soon. <laughs> well, man... They, oh... Thank you, um, the guy who left the la- the last comment comment on the Angel of the Casserole podcast. Thank you very much, and thank you for. He said, "I love this podcast." Or something like that. Oh yeah, he said, "I'm loving Enchilada Casserole." It was somebody vegan, J- JR vegan, JR or something vegan. like that. JR vegan, thank you for listening, Thanks bro. For listening. And everybody who listens to this podcast, thank you very much. Oh, somebody said Subscribe, please. Somebody on iTunes, it was a nice little review. I can't remember her name, but she said, I don't know what I like about this podcast. Maybe it's her melodic voice and his grisly voice <laughs> mixed together or something like that. It was funny. It was cute. Also, um, thank if, you for that. If you're listening to the Enchilada the Casserole podcast, um, subscribe from wherever you're listening to it. Don't just listen to it. Subscribe to it, um, even if you're listening to it on iTunes or SoundCloud or Podcast Central or whatever whatever you use to listen to the podcast. Subscribe to it. Write a review. Or maybe you listen to it just on Felipe'sWorld.com webpage, which that's okay too. Don't forget to shop through the Amazon window. And a lot of you guys do that, but remind everybody, your friends, this holiday season. Oh, yeah. During Halloween, holiday and the Christmas season, to, um, if they go to any online shopping, go through the felipesworld.com. Yeah, if you're going to get stuff from Amazon, just go to felipesworld.com, the main page, and there's an Amazon search window right there. You'll see it. It says Amazon above it. And just start your search there. Say toilet buy paper. anything there. Just type in anything, toilet paper, whatever. And just so you can, it'll take you to the Amazon site. And then you can look for more things there on the Amazon site. And once you're in through our doorway, 
let's just think of it as walking through our doorway. We took you there. We brought you to we brought you to Amazon, and Amazon gives us a little kickback for whatever you buy. You're not paying extra or anything. It's like you know no, a dollar pay, here and extra. there, and it it just uh, goes into our little bucket and helps us uh, dedicate time and resources. It's funny, to the man. Podcast. I, I think the next generation is not going to know anything about going to the Macy's and trying our pants. <laughs> and waiting, we're waiting there. I think most, most, a lot of kids are going to be happy about that. Yeah, I hate Cause, that. Because, man, I, I wanted to get two packs of tank tops, some underwear. And then out of nowhere, we wanted to get these pillows too. Then Lisa said, screw that. She got the, na- she got the name of the, the brand, the size, and everything. Went home, ordered it, came back the next day. Bam! Through our window. I know, man. I'm buying more and more stuff through Amazon because I'm, uh, today I was washing dishes and I was loading the dishwasher and I was like, man, we need more dishwashing tablets, but I don't want to go to Target or Walmart and try to go through all that. Or do a chit chat with the annoying guy at Bonds. Or buy too many extra things. I don't want that either. So I just, you know, I'm low on these right now. I'm going to go order them right now. Free shipping on Prime, Amazon Prime. And then, uh, they're at my door in a day or two. And I didn't have to leave the house. Perfect. Perfect. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>